WKCR-FM New York, this is what I call Jazz Alternatives. We call the show Deep Focus when we have a guest come in the studio and we focus our minds on the work of one artist, maybe even just one night in the life of one artist and see what we can pull out of that. My name is Mitch Goldman. My guest tonight is Melvin Gibbs, and we are turning our laser onto the trumpet and goatee and fine mind of Lester Bowie. I'm really interested to hear, Melvin, what you have to say about how Lester Bowie is an inspiration for your work, playing the bass and uh, leading bands and composing. I think about him when I just, when I walk down the street I want to hear what you have to say about music, but let's give people a little something to listen to. We're going to, we've got some fantastic, I'm going to go beyond fantastic, some spectacular unreleased live recordings of Lester Bowie, which we're going to listen to. But uh, first we'll start with something that's only exquisitely rare. It's not actually unreleased, but it did come out in Italy 38 years ago. So I think that qualifies for us to play it tonight, but... Um, it's not something that you're going to hear too many times or find, have too easy a time finding, sadly. But if you look for it, you'll find it. It's called African Children. It was a record that uh, Lester Bowie made on the Horo Records label in 1978 with Arthur Blythe, Amina Claudine Myers, Malachi Favors, and Philip Wilson on alto saxophone, organ, bass, and drums, respectively. This is WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman, it's Deep Focus, music from Lester Bowie. Thank you. 
Lester Bowie. Starting up another track that we're not going to hear just yet, but we'll get back to that. That was uh, from the album African Children, 1978, on the Italian Horror label. We heard a couple of pieces from that, that beautiful solo piece. That's all Lester, nothing but. If you're just joining us or you tuned in while that was playing, here's what you need to know. You're listening to the radio. That's one. Uh, my name is Mitch Goldman. It's WKCR, and we call the show Deep Focus. And Lester Bowie is the subject of that deep focus. But the one providing the focus is none other than our guest tonight, Melvin Gibbs. Welcome back to WKCR. Thank you for having me once again, Mitch. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We've got a lot of great music, which no one's ever heard, which is pretty thrilling for Lester Bowie fans. And I think it's going to be even more so for new fans of Lester Bowie, even if they're looking at their phone right now. I think when they hear this music, it's just going to pull them right out of their seats. Yes. And uh, we got uh, we got uh, stuff to share, things that are you're up to, that I'm up to, that we're up to. That we're up to. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, why don't you – we'll just give a little tease to some new activities that you're involved in. And uh, we'll come back and talk about it a little bit later, but I want you to just let the folks know about, give them the headline, if you don't mind. And then uh, we'll, we got to break that all down for them a little later in the show. Yes, I'm uh, curating a month of music at the Owl, a new space in Brooklyn in Leffitt's Gardens on Rogers Avenue and Midwood Street. And this very Thursday... This Thursday. We're going to do a live version of this same radio show. Yes, yes. It's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, when you watch a TV show and they have the, like, online, they're like, and come join us online. It's kind of like that, except you actually have to be there. You actually have to be there. <laughs> when it so happens. <laughs> I'll pull out the exact address on the next break, but yeah. it's the Owl, the Rogers Owl. Avenue, Midwood Street, Leffitt's Garden. So if you're in that neighborhood... We would love, 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 love to see you there. Yes, yes. But first, we're going to give you an idea of why you might want to come. And you actually, this is a radio show first, so you're, you're in the, you got a front row seat for it. Um, Melvin, this is always such a fun question for me to ask when we start these shows. And I, I always ask the guest. I let them choose who we might spend some time talking about. And I'm always, not always. Not always. I'm often surprised by what my guest chooses as an artist to focus on. And then I think about it and I kind of come up with an idea in my head like that totally makes sense. And the fact that you would choose Lester Bowie totally makes sense to me in a certain way. But I want, if you don't mind, tell us uh, what he means to you. Well, you know, Lester is actually one of my inspirations he's actually inspiration to basically my whole generation of guys uh, for various reasons and one of the reasons is well I have to give two I'll tell you the first one is that he always did exactly what he wanted to do musically he never he never compromised yeah at least not during the time I knew him maybe he compromised when he was before then but the, the, the time by the time I found out about what he was doing, he was doing exactly what he wanted to do. He's a pioneer. 
of there's so many great stories about him. Um, and he started off playing with Little Milton in uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, he's probably famous to many people as the leader, of, one of the leaders of the group, the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Uh, one of the things I love about him is at one point he decided he just wanted to go to Africa. And uh, he just got on the plane and went to Nigeria. <laughs> and literally, well, I won't tell the whole story, but... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Please. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. I'll, I'll, tell it to, I'll tell it the way Lester told me. He just, he just decided he wanted to go to Africa. So he literally packed his bag, got on the plane, got off the plane, got, went to Lagos, got to the airport, got through the airport, and caught a cab which I don't know if anybody who's traveled all over the world, one of the things you don't do in places <laughs> like Lagos is just grab a cab because those are the criminals, the cab drivers, right? So Lester breaks rule one and grabs a cab and he hops in the cab and they start talking to the guy and the guy tells him, oh, what are you, oh, a musician? He said, he said uh, where should I go? He said, oh, you must go to see the best music in Lagos and he takes him to the shrine where Fela lives. So he gets there, and Fela is rehearsing. And uh, he shows up. He's got his bag. And Fela sees he has a horn. He says, what do you do? He said, I play horn. Let me hear you play. <laughs> so Lester pulls out his horn and starts playing. And then he stops. And then Fela points at somebody, and he says, you. You are fired. <laughs> <laughs> you. You are in the band. <laughs> so Lester literally got off the plane in Lagos and walked within two hours he was playing with Fela. That's and you know, he recorded a bunch with Fela, he lived at the shrine. And uh and if you don't know who Fela Kuti was, um I, mean, I don't you know, know where you've been hiding. <laughs> yeah, you missed get some, <laughs> get some Fela recordings, but um And there he, was a whole the, the pl well, I was just going to say the place that he held yeah. in that culture at that time, I mean, we don't even have a vocabulary to de begin to describe. Don't know. And, you know, there was the big play about him. It went on Broadway for a while. And uh, Bootsy Collins said when he was in James Brown, the only band that James Brown's band was actually afraid of was Fela's band. That's how good they were. Really? Yes. Wow. So anyway... So the, this story continues, and yeah. Lester's in, in, in... Remind me to tell you about m me meeting Fela. Oh, I'd love to hear I that. I got some stories for you. I almost got to play with him, but it didn't work out. But anyway, that's, that's another story for another day. Anyway, Lester was in Lagos for a few months, and he said he was going to the shrine. He's packed up, and he's going outside, and he sees this guy, and this guy says, You, it is time for you to go. <laughs> Lester went back inside. Packed his bag, went back to the airport the way he came, <laughs> and that was the end of his trip to Nigeria. Wow. <laughs> wow. Do we know who that was? We don't know. We don't need to know. Yeah. You don't get not. two warnings in Lagos. No. no. Lucky he got one. <laughs> he got, lucky he got the one. It yeah. was, uh, yeah, it was, it was raw dog in yeah. Lagos. I don't know. I don't know that it's a whole lot better today, but uh, it was apparently rough. Anyway, that's the kind of thing. See, that's the kind of pioneer Lester was. And the, the whole touring circuit that guys like me did in the early 80s, 
that was basically developed by Lester and the Art Ensemble when they did the same thing. Where they go, when Lester decided he wanted to go to Nigeria, he did the same. They did the same thing in Paris. They just got on the plane and they went to Paris and they got themselves a house and they lived out there. And they basically made the whole touring circuit that we ran on for and still run on for you know. So he's he's just as important as a pioneer for guys of my generation to do what they want to do, how they want to do it. In addition to being one of the most interesting musical minds and having one, for me, one of the greatest bands ever, Art Ensemble, simply because it was this incredible blend of theatricality and music that was just a compelling experience because people don't think of avant-garde music as a compelling experience they think of it well it might be compelling and and get compelling you to leave you know (laughs) but they don't think of it as something that wow i've got to stay and watch this because this is some different thing and having all the pieces fit together and that was art ensemble it was you had to stay and you had to just you had to experience it yeah yeah and it was uh the other thing that Lester in particular brought was because um, it could get could get pretty very intense in those shows, and Lester had this incredible gift of breaking the whole thing down. And sometimes it was just you know a fart noise out of a trumpet, or sometimes cocking his eye in such a way or whatever that you know fifteen hundred people would just fall on the floor laughing. Yeah, and it was still of a piece with this. Uh, kind of majesty and theatricality and drama. Yeah, he was definitely like the Groucho Marx, you know, of music in that sense. He had this impeccable timing that would always, you know, be this kind of bathos, not bathos, like pathos and humor at the same time that always fit perfectly with whatever he was doing. He was absolutely fearless and just had that, uh, as you said, that warmth and just this intense humanity yep. about him and openness and uh, and it was yeah, it was it was uh, stunning. Yeah, amazing guy. I love, in light of that too, the way that uh, he kind of turned it all inside out when he started working with Brass Fantasy, you know, and. Um, kind of always felt about that band that he things got very difficult I don't know if they were ever easy but it seemed like it was a time when um, things if anything were getting harder and he started playing these fantastic pop tunes in this way that only he heard them and uh, the costumes and all the things that came with that. He had this kind of global picture in his head that he managed to project onto the stage and into the audience. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, some of the context of that time was that was when Winton was kind of in full flower, and that was the real, like, Reagan-era Republican take on on life and on music. And, you know, it was basically everything that, Lester stood for Winton stood against. Yeah. So that was some of the context of that back then. And and Lester managed to take all that and turn it all inside out yes. and make it his. He's like, no, that uh, 
Whitney Houston song that you love? No, no, that's actually my song. Exactly. It's my <laughs> song now. We're going to do it this way, and I'm going to keep being me, and you're going to love me for it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So now we've got some, as always, when we do the show, we've got some very, very special recordings. We've got, uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I don't want to blow any surprises. I don't want to lift the lid. But here's a couple of different things that we have. And uh, maybe you'll take a look and see what jumps out at you. Um, I might have, uh, well, let me catch you up in case you're just joining us. You are listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. The show is called Deep Focus. And Melvin Gibbs is our guest tonight. And our focus is on the marvelous, spectacular, delicious Lester Bowie. And um, we've got some... We got some great music. Do you, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you talk about this, and uh, Melvin, I'm gonna give you something you can refer to, because uh, I took a couple of notes. Oh, did you? Thought it might come in handy. And uh, this well, good is that. somebody here did their homework. Well, every once in a while. So what do we got? What do we got? Okay, we have Lester's New York Organ Ensemble with a pretty amazing cast of characters. You know, that was back uh, when the great Don Pullen was still with us, mm, and Don mm. was playing Hammond on this, and he was always an amazing Hammond player. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've got Arthur Blythe on alto, and Hamiet, the great Hammond Blewett on baritone sax, another one of my, uh, one of the guys who shepherded me, shepherded me through the early days of music. And now the, uh, Lester and Blewett must have gone back to St. Louis together, right? Yeah, yeah. Black yeah. artist group. Black artist group and all of that, yeah. And Famadou, Don Moyer on the drums, you know, rounding out, you know, his his uh, art ensemble compatriot on drums. So mm-hmm. this ought to be pretty great. And Ma- and Malachi's on this one? Or no, who's on playing bass? I'm trying to remember. Doesn't say. <laughs> really? They might not have had one. I mean, oh, right, because it's pulling. It's an organ group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. So. No, you're right. Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. This was recorded in Leeuwarden in the Netherlands in 1991, March of that year. This is, you're in for a treat. I'm just going to shut up and stop talking. Music you've never heard. You've never heard from the WKCR archives on WKCR.
We are in the Netherlands. It's March 9th, 1991. How do you like that? 25 years ago, next month. We're at the Middlesee Dra- Jazz Typhon. That's pretty good. <laughs> I've been working on my Dutch accent. I, I hear. <laughs> Two from Lester Bowie. This is music. This is kind of thrilling because uh, Lester Bowie, if you're just joining us, uh, we've got in deep focus tonight 
Uh, lots of great records on a bunch of different labels. If you go looking, if you're excited about Lester Bowie's music listening to this, go out and get some of these recordings. There's all kinds of stuff you'll find and download this and use bin that. And uh, there, you can't go wrong. You'll find, you might not find what you're looking for, but you'll find something you'll be excited about. Um, but you won't find this because this is only in the WKCR archives, radio broadcast from Netherlands. And uh, I'm Mitch Goldman. My guest tonight, Melvin Gibbs. And we're and we're back. We're back. We got Lester in deep focus. Yeah. And uh, deeply now, focused. Uh, so this, I guess, one thing about Lester, he would have two, three, five different bands overlapping at the same time. I think uh, at the time this recording was made, he, I, I think that. Uh, Brass Fantasy was also working, which was a large brass ensemble group. Um, he was touring and recording with The Leaders, if you remember that group. Um, he had this New York organ ensemble. He had uh, uh, the art ensemble <laughs> was still working. So, I mean, you know, grass did not grow under Lester Bowie's feet. Not at all, not at all. He kept it moving at all times, and he came with this group. He always had great stuff, and, you know, and it's interesting thing about listening to this. It was, Lester was always all about the blues, no matter whatever else was going on. Mm -hmm. It was always all about that. What other things do you hear him referencing here? Blues for sure, and let's come back to that, but there's like, uh, I'm hearing a bunch of different things layered in. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh wow and there's blues and there's blues yeah there's blues and there's blues i mean you know he's got the whole history of music in it which is really interesting you know it's kind of like anything you could play on a trumpet i mean not to you know at the risk of tying these two guys to head together at the hip i mean he had the same level of facility on the horn of somebody like a winton but he used it for like the exact opposite purpose of what Winton did, and you know, you can hear all the same references through classical music up through the whole history. The difference is is that, you know, uh, Lester actually made some of that history where mm -hmm. Winton was, and Winton wasn't is a very excellent student of that, of the eras that he plays so well. But Lester was actually involved in making history and. I mean, I'd kind of, in a way, I'd, you know, I think an apt comparison is, is Bernie Worrell, the great keyboard player from Funkadelic, because Bernie was this kind of virtuoso guy who knew many different things about the instrument and would incorporate them in places where you wouldn't expect in a way that you wouldn't expect and always had this similar sense of incredible humor to his thing where he would just kind of give you a little something like, hey, check this out, just to let you know some reference from some weird classical piece or, you know, something just to kind of let you know that it was really about having a good time, no matter how crazy it got. And I love that Lester also literally firsthand experience in the whole, like, drum and bugle kind of thing that went on in St. Louis where he came up and yeah, all a, the way back. Yeah, it's a very important, you know, thing. It's a very important tradition. It's one that doesn't get enough of the proper uh, attention. I mean, you know, you think about it. Basically, you think about the, the drum and bugle cause like at the Super Bowl. 
you know, or you think about, you know, they because they always tr- they'll always trot out some kids like, hey, you know, but the impact on that style of music, of that style of music on all the eras of music, you know, of, of what Lester would call great black music, you know, you can't really calculate it, and yeah, def- it's definitely in there. I I think you, there are times when you hear it very directly that whole the tying in of playing and walking marching that beat yeah that downbeat that uh that's you there's always that pulse yep. in Lester's music yeah for sure for sure it's always there and it's like you said that kind of walking like you know uh with a certain kind of power a certain kind of you know what they call swagger these days, you know, it was the same word from back in the day, a certain kind of swag that goes to that way of playing that Lester always had going full force. Do you connect this directly to music that you make? Directly, no, because Lester's a different generation and I have a different set of influences. But uh, the thing I take directly from Lester is, like I said earlier, the the kind of fearlessness of putting the pieces together and the fact that, you know, you kind of, as an individual, you kind of need to be you. You know what I mean? It's kind of like owning the fact that you have your own thing on an instrument is a very important part of, you know, for for me, a very important part of being who I am, you know, so... And you can only own the instrument if you take everything that you know and figure out how to translate it into music in a way, you know, your your personal history, your personal experiences. And that's the thing that's great about Les. You can you can basically hear like his story through his horn. And that's de- definitely something that, you know, actually being around him, you know, helped me to kind of open up because at, you know, there was a point where I was I was definitely telling a story and it was mm. a very interesting story but it was still pieces of other people's story in me you know and it took me a little bit to kind of point to say you know what even this little thing that everybody else likes about what I do I'm I'm tossing that because it's not really who I am it's just a, it's a thing I do that you know to relate to other people and I kind of just threw that throwing that little piece away and kind of just getting to 100% who I wanted to be. I mean, he was, you know, he was a definitely insp- him and, you know, the two between him and Sonny Chirac, those are the two people who kind of made me just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to be me and y'all got to just deal with it, you know. You're listening to WKCR FM New York or maybe WKCR HD1. Probably not listening to WKCR.org right now, although that will be back. That's in the works. We'll be back on the web sometime soon. Our friends around the world can tune in. Um, I'm Mitch Goldman. The show is called Deep Focus, and Melvin Gibbs is putting that deep focus on Lester Bowie. Uh, it's interesting you mention two people who are very close to you personally, um, Sonny Schrock and Lester, um, very nearly contemporaries. They were born within a year or so of each other, and they both died in their 50s, which they seem like grown men to us. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Mm. And now realizing, I mean, it was really just such a shame that they both checked out so soon. And it, it's, I don't think there's any sensible 
conclusion to be drawn about that. I don't mm -hmm. think either one of them felt that or saw that coming or anything. But they both, looking back on it, lived to the hilt the whole way and, as you were saying, did what what they needed to do. Yeah, for put sure. Put their story out there without – and also offstage, having known both those guys, they're both – in very different ways – just full on every minute, yeah. On stage and off stage, yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I wasn't as personally close to Lester as I was to Sonny because you know, I mean, I was like in the van with Sonny, so it's kind of like a different thing. And I wasn't, you know, I mean, uh, but definitely that same similar swag of yeah, this is you know, we're doing this this way, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, but uh, one thing that was different is. It's kind of like uh, Lester always thought about Lester thought about how his thing was framed a little differently than Sonny did. Sonny mm -hmm. Sonny didn't care as you know. I won't say he didn't care, but you can hear Lester had groups like Brass Fantasy, or he he always made sure that there were there was like a something to offset whatever it was he was doing or he would be the one who would offset like you said in art ensemble they'd be way out there and he'd do something yeah that would be opposite whereas Sonny was always Sonny we we could all jump in the pool in a certain kind of way yeah <laughs> you yeah. know so yeah. that would be that would be the difference but other than that definitely you know a similar kind of humor and a similar kind of you know definite uh impact definite similar impact yes you have any great firsthand Lester Bowie stories of how you met or any particular memories? Well, I met him because I was for many years in a band with his brother, Joseph Bowie, right. defunct. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I honestly don't remember. I, I must have met him at you know La Mama's and where all the St. Louis guys used to hang out in you know which was which before it was La Mama's it was where. Charles Bobo Shaw had his the loft and basically was the crash pad for all the St. Louis guys when they came to New York. They would just come and sleep there. And it was sort of like a black artist AACM kind of thing. If you wanted to play, you would just basically go show up with your instrument and just play with whoever was Hey, it's the Deep Focus Podcast. You are in it now. This one from May 15th, 2016, Melvin Gibbs my guest on the topic of Lester Bowie. We're having such a good time. There's only two parts this week. Usually there's three. This time there's two. Uh, the other one is also available probably where you found this one on your favorite podcasting app. Or you can always get to us at uh, mitchgoldman.podbean.com. I am your host, Mitch Goldman. Um, you can also follow along on Instagram. We are Deep Focus Podcast underscores between the words that's uh, a great place to uh, come find us for whatever reason we were melvin and i talking about these live events happening at the owl music parlor they happened they were big fat fun we had a great time love to do that again some more live deep focus events uh there are none being planned now but the owl is happening in Brooklyn, Prospect Lefferts Gardens. Go and uh, the lid's coming off any minute. I'm hoping. And uh, you should head on in there. Say hello to Aaron. See what's happening. I think it's 
I think it's Owl Music Parlor NYC, some combination. You'll find it if you look. Um, all right. Well, hey, go dig part two. And you can also go check. We've got well over 100 episodes, all kinds of great stuff for you to enjoy. So go and check it out. All right. Go on. Go on.